right. Okay. Well, uh, good morning. Welcome to the firehouse. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. We'll try it one more time to get us all synchronized. Good morning and welcome to the firehouse. Good morning. Awesome. Good to hear you all. Good to see you all. Wasn't that an awesome time of worship there? We might we might recruit the band to do another song when we wrap things up here. There's almost all of them were right in theme with the message today, so uh, we we might get a at the cross going again or sweetly broken. They're all good. So um, anyways, um, just a couple quick announcements before we get started here. Um, we do have a, a guest with us from overseas today that I wanted to just introduce and, and maybe point her out to you. Um, her name is Naomi Triggs. If you would stand up and wave to people. There you are. So, um, she is on staff with the church in Amsterdam, and so occasionally she'll make a trip back to touch base with supporters and things like that, update people on how the ministry is going there. So um, I think today there's a, a meeting for those that are interested to find out you know, how things are going there um, at 2 o'clock at Jeremy and Jessica's place. Is that right? They're hosting it, yes. I think they're serving steak this afternoon, so you guys might want to might want to check it out. So, um, so you know, if you want to hear more about how it's going there, or if you're a friend or a supporter of Naomi, um, check it out. If you're not, um, you know, and you're interested, maybe see how you might help as far as being a prayer partner or even a, a ministry partner, helping out financially. You know, her her salary is entirely made up of the generous gifts of others who who see the cause and what they're they're doing over there in Amsterdam, and and just have a heart to pitch in and help out. And so, if you can't make the thing at two, you might just introduce yourself to her, and she would love to do dinner or breakfast or something with you here, um, you know, share more about what's going on there, but Naomi right there. Uh, I think it's cool, I told Naomi earlier, it's kind of fun, we're, we're doing the book of Ruth right now, and so Naomi is a, a key character in the book of Ruth right now. It's always fun to be a, a person who has a Bible name. I don't know how many of you are out there that have Bible names, you want to raise your hand, yeah, many of you do, but anytime you come across the story, you know, it's easy to get distracted, you know, they say, Naomi or Ruth or Jacob or Abraham or, you know, Rich is even a Bible name. It shows up a lot, you know, a rich blessing and things like that. And I think um, that you always have to find yourself, you know, they're talking about grace or faith or this. It's easy to get distracted from what it's actually saying and go, yeah, my name sounds good in there, yeah. But no, I try not to do that. Um, but anyways, um, the other thing I just wanted to say a quick thanks for was I know many of you had prayed for me and my family as we went to a funeral this last week. Week. My um, my grandmother passed away, and she had uh, been dealing with colon cancer. And at first, they thought it wasn't colon cancer, and she was going to recover. And then they realized it was colon cancer, so it was up and down. But she passed away um, two weeks ago, or you know, less than two weeks ago. But we went to the funeral, and you know, it was just uh, the more I found out about her, you know, we weren't real close to my grandma there. I you know, I knew her and loved her, but I didn't see her a lot. But she was really involved in the Catholic world there, and her her. City. She was a part of the choir. She's been a part of the church for, uh, you know, 40, 50 years. And, but the more I found out about her, I realized that you know, I wasn't sure where her faith was. You know, people can come to church, whether it's a Baptist, Catholic, non-denominational, and people can be there and, and yet miss Jesus. But the more I learned of people who knew her better, it seemed like she had placed her, her trust in Christ as her Savior along the way. And I was able to share just a story. Of, they asked me to do the eulogy at the memorial service, and... You know, the, the people that were kind of running the service were really not excited about Christianity or anything religious, but they asked if I'd share the eulogy, and so I kind of 
as a pastor, I, I snuck in the gospel along the way too, and you know they didn't throw anything at me. But um, but I was able to share with them about one of the things. One of the last things I was able to tell my grandmother was um, there was a, a article, a magazine that came out a couple months ago about um, Mother Teresa, and it was a Time Life magazine devoted entirely to her life, celebrating 100 years ago she was born, and you know it's been 100 years since then she's passed away. But it was I was struck by how um, she she was known for for doing good, for helping orphans and the abused and widows and different things. And, um, you know, sometimes you wonder what her motivation might have been, but, but people asked her. And she quoted from Jesus when Jesus said, you know, when you do this to the least of mine, you do this to me. And so she said she did what she did because she was doing it for Jesus. And you may or may not know that, but that was her motivation. And, and I think... Um, as I look at my grandma's life that um, I was able to share with her, I felt like she, she lived a life of doing good and her motivation was Jesus, you know. And, and the Lord knows for sure. But sometimes you know, I was able to share at the funeral there just that um, sometimes we could do good works with two motivations. One is we do good to try to earn our, our way right with God. And, and then the other way we, we can do good as a way of saying thank you. I've got a Savior that died on the cross for me. I want to do good to say thank you. And I believe her life was a way of saying thank you. You know, if you think about it, it's, it's silly to think, even if we lived a hundred years of doing good work, that's not even a drop in the bucket compared to the eternal punishment we've earned against sinning against an eternal God. A hundred years is nothing. We could never pay for it, but you can offer your life as a way of saying thanks to your Savior. And you know, I hope each one of you do that. That's what I shared with them as well. You know, that's what I'm, I'm trying to do as best I can as well. You know, also. So, but anyway, thanks for your prayers. It was a, you know, it was a good time to be with family and, and friends there. Let's go ahead and pray, and we will jump into um, Ruth chapter three here. So let's just kind of commit our time here. <clears throat> well, Lord Jesus, we do look to you again this morning. Um, Lord, it's just awesome to worship you. Awesome to reflect on how great you are. How. You did die on the cross for us. You, you took a, a punishment for us that we deserved in order to redeem our relationship, in order to reconcile us to you now and, and for eternity. God, we just thank you that you love us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us here this morning. Open up just a channel from, um, from you to our hearts through me, Lord, through your word. Speak to everyone here, I pray. You know what's going on in our life today. You know what the issues are we're struggling with. I just pray you'd speak to each one of us, whatever we need to hear, Lord. God, I pray that you'd help me not to say things that aren't from you and, and say things that are from you, even if they might be hard to hear. Um, but we just turn this time over to you. We ask you to help us to make, to, to make us, Lord, a better disciples of yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you would, if you have a house Bible sitting near you, I know we are... Was there every other chair? Or if you brought your own Bible, you want to pass them back. I think the Bibles don't make it all the way to the back. We run out of them. I've been meaning to bring some Bibles from home. I uh, had a, a history of pulling a Bible out and then taking it home with me. I think I have about 15 at home right now. And they're on the, they're on the table ready to come here. They'll be here next week. So, um, But anyways, if you have the house Bible, the black one here, it's um, page 260 is where we're going to be reading today. We're going to read Ruth chapter 3 and draw some points out of that, some action items to us, some examples. Then we'll look at Ruth chapter 4. And um, 
So this is a part of a series. If you're new with us, we started a series um, that began last week. But the series is called Crazy Love. And we're, we're just talking about some stories from the Bible, uh, some love stories, some amazing stories, some unique stories, some stories that might by, by many be considered crazy stories of love. Um, but crazy in a good way, you know. Um, last week we talked about how uh, Ruth was... You know, she she lost her husband. She had hardship, and she decided to to um, commit herself to be loyal to Naomi, who went back um, to to her homeland in Israel, there in Jerusalem, and um, she was committed to her. And we just talked about her crazy loyalty, and thought, you know, asked, do we have that sort of loyalty? Then we looked at Boaz and talked about his life and how he was a, a blessing to others because of his relationship with God. He blessed others on the workplace. He blessed. Ruth, he blessed whoever he came in contact with because that was a way of life for him. And we asked the question, are, are we living like that? We looked at Ruth's life and that she was a humble and hard worker. She was worked hard and she was humble about it. And God blesses that. And then we followed it up with Boaz was a safe man. He was a man of honor. He was a trustworthy man. Um, he didn't take advantage of someone who he could have. And, um, and we asked, are we safe men and women? We're going to look here at chapter 3 really is where we turn the corner from some of their character into their crazy love story here. And, you know, there's some things you might pull out of if you're not married yet. Um, there's some, some things you might try out here down the road, maybe, maybe not. If you are married, you might try out some of these things too. They could put a little fuel on the fire there or something, I don't know. Um, now we're going to try to look at ways we can practically apply what we read today um, in, a, in a godly, righteous, and not strange way. Um, so, anyways, let's start with Ruth chapter 3. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, to Ruth, you know, um, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, whose servant girls you've been, uh, you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. And he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. If he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning. But got up before anyone um, could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman had come to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. 
When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything.
That was kind of unique, I thought. So that's where I go, God, if, if you want this to work out, you could actually have her lay down at my feet. Sometimes I crashed out at the living room in our apartment, and I just thought maybe uh, maybe someday it would happen. You know, it didn't happen like that. So, but one of the points I want to make here is that this, uh, this crazy plan, this, um, this way that they went about it, this is some crazy love story here, but um, Ruth didn't bring it about. You know, sometimes I think people can go, hey... That's a crazy idea. I can come up with a crazy idea. Let me go do something dumb and crazy. But you know, Ruth didn't come up with this idea. It wasn't her plan. She, you know, she could have been like, hey, here's this Jewish laws and here's how it's supposed to work and I could go do this and she could have brought it all about herself, but she didn't. She was yielded to Naomi and Naomi said, hey, Naomi was like a spiritual leader in her life. She was like almost a spiritual parent. And Naomi said, hey, Ruth, why don't you go do this? And she did. It wasn't her crazy plan. And so I think sometimes we've got to watch out for that. In this world that we live in, there's a lot of people who oh, I'll go do something dumb and maybe it'll turn out. You know, maybe it will by the sovereign grace of God. But that's different than doing something that God really wants to bless, that He's leading you into. And I think one of the reasons why God blessed Ruth was because it wasn't her idea. She didn't take it into her plans. And, and Boaz didn't take it into his hands either. You know, he could have planted a seed and been like, Hey, Naomi, you know, you know how the Old Testament law works here, that if she just happened to lay at my feet and say these certain things, that, that I could then marry her. So, you know, why don't you pray about that, Naomi? Boaz didn't do that either. Boaz left it in God's hands, and, and Ruth left it in God's hands. And, you know, that's one of the points I would have to you if you're thinking about getting married. If you want to get married, uh, one of the strongest things I could encourage you to do is give it up. And I don't mean get rid of the desire to be married. I mean give it up to God. Let God take care of it. Because He can work it out. He can work out the details. But if you manipulate yourself into a relationship and it gets hard, it'll be even harder to manipulate it into staying together. We find that that actually doesn't work very well and it's happening all the time. People get into a relationship because they brought about their own circumstances and when it's tough, manipulation doesn't work very well to catch the heart. But Ruth, you see, she didn't do that. She... She let someone else, you know, help, help uh, bring this about. Um, one of the things we see in Ruth's life is that she was willingly submitted to Naomi as her leader. She didn't have to. She never said, you know, there was no law that said, okay, if you're a daughter-in-law and you lose your husband, you've got to submit to your mother-in-law. Too bad for you. No, she, she wanted to. She willingly said, Naomi, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. You know, uh, if you look at the cross-references in a lot of Bibles, they, they reference this back into the New Testament where it says, Children, obey your parents. It's kind of a strange thing, but Ruth looked to Naomi almost like a spiritual mother. And she said, Naomi, whatever you tell me, I'll do it. Yeah, you know, this seems a little strange, sleeping at the foot of someone's feet in a, by a grain pile. But because I trust God, I trust you, I'm going to do it. And it worked out well for her. But... Um, you know, I just said to ask you a question. Are you a man or a woman, whether you're married or not? Are you submitted to another in your life? Or are you a lone ranger? You, you skip to the beat of your own drum. You know, there's a lot of Christians that do that. But don't confuse that with something that God really wants to bless. Ruth was yielded to another. It takes humility to say, you know what? I'm going to yield to this other person here because I don't have to. I can do my own thing. I can read the Bible. I don't need someone telling me what to do. But God says, that, you know, from the Old Testament to the New, God blesses the humble. He gives grace to the humble and He opposes the proud. What are you? As a, you know, and, and if someone looked at how you relate to others, 
Are you a humble man or woman? Are you an independent lone ranger? Do your own thing. You know, that's fine. But God's real clear on who He's going to bless and who He's going to oppose. And so I just would encourage you to follow Ruth. She was submitted. You know, there's places in the New Testament that talk about submitting to your leaders. Um, you know, uh, obey your leaders and submit to their authority because they give an account for you. Are you one that tends to do that or you tend to... The buck stops with you. You know, if you understand New Testament Christianity, there's no one, whether it's a pastor, a husband, or anyone, everyone is to submit to God. We know that, duh. But the way, everyone is also called to submit to other relationships, real human beings in their life. Do you do that? Because God wants to bless people who do that. He looks out for people who are trusting. You know, and the only way you can do that is, Ruth was a woman of great faith. What I've found over the years, the only way you can trust God to use another person in your life well, as if you trust God in the first place. You know, I came to this crossroads in my own life. I realized when I became a Christian, I could read the Bible, I could have my own interpretation, and I could keep getting the results that I've been getting for the, all of my life up to that point. But I realized that God had placed certain people in my life to teach me how to live a life, a life that I wasn't getting, a life that I wasn't seeing the same results. I wanted a marriage that was going to stick together. And, and be a loving marriage because I had never seen that modeled to me. I wanted a family that was functional and united and loved God together because that, that wasn't where I came from. And so I realized, you know, I can either debate this God placed this guy in my life, my small group leader, my pastor, and I can either debate with him every point or I could just go, you know what, God put him in my life. I'm going to trust God that whatever this guy tells me, you know, I'm going to confirm it, it's in the Bible. I'm not going to go like blindly do whatever he said, jump off a cliff. But the Bible never says that either, and, and there's never been a leader who's told me to do that. But I made a deliberate choice, voluntarily said, I'm going to submit to this life, this other person, a human being, because I trust God. God can work it out if this person does something dumb. But, you know, I'm probably going to do more things dumb than this person he's put in my life. That's where the real issues are going to be. But have you ever come to that place? Because that's when God can really bless you. God can change your life. You know, again, if you're the captain of your own ship, you're going to get the results you've always been getting. How's that going for you? You want to see some different results, something that has God's blessing? You might look to, to let someone have a little input into your life. Not just anyone, but specific people. God, God has leaders in the New Testament have certain character qualities so that your life is not hurt or harmed. And even then, God can work things out for good. But in, in my years of following Christ, my 15 years now or so, um, and being yielded to the man that God has placed in my life, I've not found them ever to hurt me um, while I was trusting Him. And if something was hard or whatever, God still worked it out for good. But that's the type of life Ruth lived, and she was blessed for that. And so, um, let's see here. We're going to look a little at Boaz here. Um, so let's move on to um, chapter 4. <clears throat> chapter 4, we see a little more of Boaz's response to this. We see kind of how this works out. Um, <clears throat> Meanwhile, Boaz went to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these Uh, these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people if you will redeem it do so if you will not redeem it tell me so I will know for no one has the right to do it except you and I am next in line I will redeem it he said 
Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabites, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, Well, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have acquired Ruth the Moabites, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that the name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have a standing in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. And the woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better than seven sons, has given birth to him. And Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram the father of Aminadab. Aminadab the father of Nashon. Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon, I think. Uh, Salmon the father of Boaz. Boaz the father of Obed. Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse the father of David. So, a lot, a lot there. Um, but we're going to start by uh, looking at some, some more of uh, Boaz's life here. You know, I love this line, line here. Uh, let's see. I, I put this one up from the Living Bible. You know, it's the very last verse of chapter 3. But it says about Boaz. You know, Ruth is talking, or Naomi's talking about him. Naomi says to Ruth, Ruth, just be patient until we hear what happens. For Boaz won't rest until he has followed through on this. He will settle it today. You know, one of the obvious things that stood out to me was um, that Boaz was a faithful man. Boaz was known to others as a faithful man. Naomi says of him, this guy, if he said he's going to do that today, it's going to get done today. He was a man of follow through. Sometimes we can initiate things and we have a hard time following through but it's a godly thing to follow through it's a righteous thing but Boaz was a faithful man he said what he meant and he meant what he said how are you doing in that area of your life are you a faithful man are you a faithful woman when you say something you know what, what would others say you know of you would, would Naomi say oh they told you that well that will be funny if that happens you, you know they, they always say things they don't do Oh yeah, they might do that, but they're probably going to have a bad attitude when they do that. But if Boaz, Naomi said, hey look, he said he's going to get that done today. It'll be done today. Let's just wait and see. 
Boaz was a man, a faithful man, a man of follow-through. I think of even Jesus and his mission to come and redeem us. You know, one of the very last things that he said was, it is finished. It's godly to finish things. It's godly to get things done. How is that going for you? Another thing that Boaz was, he was a faith-filled man. You can be faithful. You can dot your I's and cross your T's without being faith-filled. You know that? Sometimes there's a tension between the two. You know, a lot of times I think of Mormons. Mormons are known for, known for you know, working hard and getting their ducks in a row. Uh, that's just because in the power of man, you can, just, you can work hard and you can be faithful. But that's different than, you know, having things happen that wouldn't otherwise happen. You can manage your money well. You can manage your time well. You can slice and dice it. There's only so many ways to do that. But faith is where you see things happen that would not otherwise happen. We see the definition of faith. It says faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you don't see. Are there things going on in your lives that are beyond what you see? Beyond your planning, your routine, your schedule? Because you can be faithful and you can be missing out on being faith-filled. Or the other thing can happen too. You can be faithful. I'm trusting God to move a mountain. I just haven't paid my bills on time in a while. Not very faithful with the things I should be faithful at. We, we need to do both. Boaz was both. A faithful man, but a faith-filled man. Can you imagine him? He hears like, okay, there's a chance to redeem this land, to really to redeem this woman, to make her mine, to take her under my wing. And the next day he was out. You know, can you imagine? Okay, God's working something out here. And you pull like ten people, ten uh, advisors in your life. You pull them all together. You pull someone like uh, this relative in. And you say, here's the deal. I, I want to I marry this woman. I want to make this happen. But in order for that to happen, you guys got to sign off on it. And you got to pass this opportunity here. Like he was, That took a lot of faith to step out there. You know, he could have put it on out there and um, you know, it not happened. Maybe the other guy redeems her. He shared his heart like he really wants to marry her. And boom, he fell on his face. He took a risk there. He was a man of faith. You know, how are you doing with both of these? Are you being faith-filled and faithful? That's the example that Boaz gave us. The other thing I see in Boaz was that he was a man of integrity. You know, I think depending on how your faith is going, it's going to affect your integrity. You know, because Boaz could have said, okay, here, here, I see, I see the different components. She can get married to someone else. Uh, this guy's got a pass on that opportunity, then I can get that opportunity. He could have just kind of started working and manipulating a little bit. He'd go like, okay, I'll go talk to this guy. And I could tell him, hey, um, you know, the land's really bad. You don't want the land. There's this old widow that comes with it. You don't want that. He could have said, you know, by the way, whatever the land costs, I'll give you that much money. This money's not an issue with me. He could have just started manipulating it. But what did he do? He took the whole situation public. He said, hey, I need ten witnesses to check out this transaction. And I need you to get over here, and I'm going to share the whole story with you. And, you know, I'm kind of struck by how he uh, shared the story. You know, he set it up, and the guy's like, sure, I'll take it. You know, if I were him, I'd have been like, I'd have listed all the cons up front. Okay, this, you know, there's a widow, there's this land, it's going to jeopardize things. But he shared all the good stuff up front. The guy's like, sure, I'll take the land. Sounds like, you know, that sounds like a good deal. It increased my sphere of influence and all that. But instead, Boaz shares the other thing. The guy's like, I'll take it. And then he shares, you know, by the way, this is the ramifications. And But he put it all out there. You know, the only reason you can walk in integrity is if you trust that someone bigger than you has got your, your back. Because otherwise, you'll, you'll try to get dishonest. I need to spin it like this to this person. I need to spin it like this to this person because I don't trust that God's got my best interest. 
you can't walk in integrity unless you really think God is good and He's watching out for you. How, how's your integrity going, men and women? This doesn't just have to be a man thing. But, but Boaz had it, and God blessed him for that. And He, he brought it before them, and um, you know the rest is history in some ways. But So we look at Ruth, we look at Boaz, now we're going to look at this other guy here. What was this guy's name that had the chance to redeem, to redeem it all? You guys know his name? Anyone? Uh, nobody knows his name. And, and many would say there's a reason why God doesn't have his name recorded. Because it probably, probably wasn't worth doing. You know, this guy gets an opportunity to help somebody out, to buy them back. It was the law. The reason was you're supposed to marry a widow to help them extend that family line that would have otherwise been cut off forever. And the property would have been lost and all that. It would have been a righteous thing to say, you know what, I'm going to take that person under my wing. And and I wonder sometimes, why did Boaz have it work out where, you know, he shares the stuff, you buy this land, and then he says, you know, it's kind of like he plays the trump card. Um, on the day you buy this land, you're going to get Ruth, and you have to maintain this, this guy's name with this property. And the guy backs out. Why did he wait to play that card till later? Do you know? Because I don't know. I mean, I tried to figure it out. But, but I do know one of the things that it accomplished was that when Boaz phrased it like that, it flushed out that guy's motives. He said, sure, I'll help out. I'll buy that. I'll, I'll take the land. But then he said, you know, by the way, there's a wife that comes with it. There's a family line to extend there. And what did the guy say? Oh, wait a minute. That's going to affect my estate. That's going to mess with my little world that I kind of have ordered. I kind of like how it's going. And this could mess it up. And so he turned it down. We never know his name. He's never mentioned. Likely because he made a real selfish choice there. He wasn't thinking about anyone but his little world, his little estate. And unfortunately, you and I can find ourselves doing that same thing. We're like, I'll do whatever you want me to do, Jesus, as long as it's not affecting this little world, my kingdom. You know, I'll be committed as, as much as I possibly can as long as I get to keep this little world separate. And, you know, what would it have been in you? For this guy, it was money. He said, I don't want this messing with my money, my inheritance. What would it be for you to be challenged in following Jesus? You know, what, what would Jesus, I'll do anything, but just don't ask me to do that. You know, and I have a list of things just to maybe think through. You know, um, you know Jesus, I'll do anything just as long as you don't have me, um, as long as you don't mess with my money. As long as you don't have me tap into my nest egg, my savings account, I'll follow you, Jesus. Jesus, I'll do anything as long as you don't make me live with other roommates who are going to get in my life and invade my privacy. I like my world private. I'll do anything, Jesus, but I won't do that. Or Jesus, I'll do anything as long as I don't have to be single. I'll follow you, Jesus, to the edge of hell as long as I get to be married. Is that your condition? What if God has another plan? What if it's the other way around? Jesus, I'll follow you as long as you don't make me get married. That sounds so hard. <laughs> maybe that's it. Or maybe, Jesus, I'll follow you as long as I can be married, have my career, and I don't have to have kids. Because that might kind of be, be a little awkward on my plans. I'll do anything you want, Jesus, as long as, as long as you fulfill my dream, my plans, my purpose. What is it that you have? You know, what is it? I'll do anything, Jesus. I'll, I'll follow you unless, unless it messes with that relationship. I don't want to give that up. Unless it messes with that habit. Jesus, I'll follow you unless it messes with that habit. This morning, I just want you to ask yourself, what is it that's either preventing you from starting to follow Christ or from taking that next step? I don't know what it is, but you do, and He does. And I encourage you today maybe to give it up. 
So I'm tired of wrestling with you on this one, God. You're going to win eventually. I might as well give it up today. I might as well open up that area of my life to you. Open up for some changes, to do some things different than I've ever done before. might even receive input from someone you've placed in my life, God. I encourage you to settle that today. This guy didn't settle that. We don't know who he was. We never will. Boaz, he stepped up. He stepped into that. He was a man of character. His name's recorded in the Bible for eternity. You know, this is the type of disciples we want to be. We want to be disciples who would give up anything. You know, another person I think of whose name was recorded for eternity was, um, anyone, anyone have any guesses? Jesus said, hey, your name's going down in history. Peter, maybe. Uh, the answer I'm looking for is uh, Mary. Mary, Jesus' disciple. The, the woman, you know, it says this, and um, I should be clicking through points while we're doing this, shouldn't I? Uh, he didn't want to endanger his estate. Do you have an area like this in your life? But you see, Mary, Mary was one whose name was written in the Bible, and he said she'll be remembered forever because of what she did. You know, um, to be a disciple, I just want to read Luke uh, chapter 14, has some thoughts on being a disciple. Maybe you like the idea of being a Christian, but you don't want to kind of be a disciple. You, you don't mind showing up to a meeting here or there. Uh, you can fit that into your plans. But a disciple is different. You know, they, they say to become a Christian um, and salvation, it's a free gift. Jesus will give you salvation, forgiveness as a free gift. But discipleship will cost you everything. You want to become like Jesus, it's going to cost you everything. You really want to follow Jesus? Here's what he said in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. He says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can, cannot be my disciple. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. goes on to say, verse 33, In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. There's something that's preventing you from following Christ. You know, we know that Jesus didn't hate his mother and his brothers. We know that this is in comparison with his love for God. It's got to be like, you, know, you can't make a, a greater contrast than going, uh, the difference between how I love God and other people in my life is the difference between love and hatred. I mean, you don't make a much bigger contrast, you know. We've shared it before, you can measure your love for you know, God in like light years. And your love for people in comparison would be like using centimeters or something. That's what Jesus is he's saying. This is how much you've got to love God if you want to follow me. Um, but anyways, Mary here. Let's look at her real quick. Um, and this is in Mark. we put down there? 14.8. You know, Mary um, just says this here. Um, starting in, I'll start in verse 3. But While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table at the home of the man known as Simon the leopard, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Um, why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. and You can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. You know, that's, that's the type of disciples we're trying to make. People that will 
have something and instead of having your name left out because you just wouldn't go there with God, that you you would sacrifice whatever is most precious to you to follow Christ. And he said, anywhere the gospel goes, they're going to hear about you, Mary. They're going to hear about you. That's the type of disciples we want to make here at the firehouse. But, you know, before we can make disciples like that, that's the type of disciples you and I need to be. We can't expect to make some disciple that's that sacrificial when we're not, you know. How, how are you doing at being a disciple like that? We need to ask ourselves that and, and grow. And I'm going to close just with them. the last thing here is that this picture of um, Boaz, in some ways, uh, is considered like a picture of the Christ who was to come. He was to be a, a redeemer of us. And, and Boaz is a type of Christ, if you will, uh, a kind of a foreshadowing of what of what Jesus would accomplish. And first, what you had to do to be this kinsman or guardian redeemer, you had to be a close relative. You know, now was Jesus going to be a relative of us or not? I don't exactly know how that works, but I do know in order for him to redeem us, he became a human. He became a person, someone who lived and, and breathed and bled. And he did that so that he could be our redeemer. He didn't have to do that. God never had to take on one of these sin-filled bodies. But he did that so that he could be a redeemer of ours. The other thing you had to do to, to be a redeemer was to be willing. You know, um, this other guy before Boaz, he was not willing to do it. He didn't either have a love for Ruth or a care for Ruth. He just cared about his own world. He wasn't willing to, to make that sacrifice for, for Ruth. But, um, but Christ is willing. You know, um, what he did on the cross, you know, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You wonder if He's willing to redeem you or not? All that you've done, maybe things you've messed up, you think He still wants you? What He did on the cross says, yes, He does. I think of that song at the cross that we sang, Sweetly Broken. And there's another line from a song that I think of that's from third day, but there's a line in there that says, Just to be with you, I did everything. There's no price I did not pay. Jesus is willing to be with you, to take you and make you his own. Unlike this other character, we don't know his name, he wasn't willing. But the other thing is you've got to be able to. You know, what if, uh, what if that other guy was willing, okay, I'll, I'll buy back this Ruth and this land and all that, but I just don't have the ability to. I'm kind of in debt. I can't buy anything extra right now. He might have been willing, but not able to. You know, you see, Jesus was willing to redeem you and I, and he was able to. The resurrection proved He was indeed God. Only God can forgive sins. Only God can save us from death. Only the eternal Son of God could take on an eternal punishment like you and I deserved. He was willing and able to redeem you and I. And all you have to do is kind of be like like Ruth. You know, she was... She approached this situation willing. She didn't have to. She could have said, Naomi, you know, I'm fine. I don't have a relationship here. I'm kind of... Family line's going to end with me, and that's cool. I'm just settled with this sort of life. She was willing to, to go forward with this loving relationship. She was humble. You know, she, she laid down at his feet. She said, hey, look here, Boaz, I'm, I'm your servant. She approached the situation humbly, and it was in faith that, um, you know, she could have gotten rejected. It might not have worked. It might not have been the way you're supposed to do it. But she was in faith when she did it. And that's the same things we need to approach Christ with willingly approach Christ you don't have to but if you do it needs to be willingly it needs to be humbly and it needs to be in faith and you know, my hope is that everyone here would just um, know that 
that God loves you. He wants to restore your relationship. Our sin has caused us to be estranged from God. And, and not only just estranged, our relationship separated, but we have earned His punishment, an eternal punishment. And yet just to be with you, Jesus did everything. All you have to do is approach Him humbly. You know the, the phrase there, spread the garment, the corner of your garment over me. Another way it's rendered uh, from the Hebrew is that, um, take me under your wing. It's an idea of take me under your wing, you know. Have you ever come to that place with Christ where you've said, take me under your wing. I want refuge from you. I want relationship with you. Take me under your wing, Jesus. Because he's done everything that's needed and you just need to do your part and, and believe that and come to him. And our hope is that, that you would, that every one of you would do that. And let's just close in prayer here. Our Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this example you've given us in and Ruth and Boaz and a story of love and honor that um, God, there was purity there there was faith there there was noble character and you brought them together and you blessed the relationship Lord I thank you that through a foreign woman you brought about the birth of your son through the lineage that would become Mary that into that a broken situation a widowed woman you brought about the glorious birth of our, our Savior We just thank you that you can do that in each of our lives. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to give up every area of our life to you um, and not hold back in following you. Lord, we thank you that you you will bless us when we do that. You will bring about glorious results when we do that, Lord. We just ask for your help in that each one of us and as a church. We just thank you for meeting with us this morning. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's see here. We... um, we, I don't really think we're going to have time for an extra song. Jeff, do you think we got time or should we get moving? Time for a song or no? Probably not. No, nah, we... Okay. We got how many? Five? Nine minutes. Okay. We need to... Um, uh, the other thing you guys can help us with today here is that I guess they're having an event after we're done here. And so if we, we can get things cleaned up, wrapped up... Maybe we'll do an extra song next Sunday morning or something like that. Tack it on there. But um, if you guys don't mind helping with the cleanup process so that we can prepare the way for these guys coming after us here. But thanks for joining us this morning. Brad's going to continue with this crazy love series next Sunday.